Yes, thank you for inviting me here to share. And, uh, you know, I would like to bring a message. I don't like this idea of sermons. Get me very nervous and, and sick. <laughs> but, you know, I would like to believe, bring a message that's on my heart, especially among friends. You know, something that's freshly baked. <laughs> yeah, recently I saw this little clipping on the TV with some local pastors. They were debating what should, what should have been the church reaction last year when all these rules and regulation were being passed upon the church and for everybody. And um, this pastor was quoting what this reverend had said in California. Different quotations. And there was a lady at the panel. She, she was there to talk about well, how the women of the, of the church has viewed the church decision recently. And by church, I think they're talking about it. The Christian world generally, even though these were all evangelical pastors. And the lady rightly said, well, whose opinion really matters in this situation? Because, <laughs> you know, this pastor gave his version, this professor, the theologian gave his version. And the lady said, but whose decision, whose opinion? On these, on these matters. And they were discussing different things, not only COVID, they were discussing this corset race theory. I mean, the critical race. Yeah, I call it, I always like to call it corset race theory because it's a, we are a coarse race. But the lady asked a very good question. And I find that a lot in many meetings I've been in. And one of the things is the same thing, the missions going on, uh, carrying on right now. Missions all over around the world are meeting to review what we should be doing. You know, some have pulled a lot of their missionaries off in the mission field. And some are waiting on some special demarcation of this pandemic to give them the green light to resend and relocate their missionary back in the field. Or what form of ministry should we be focusing, etc. <laughs> you participate in some of these discussions and you realize, well, Whose opinion, whose decision has the final say in this whole matter? Especially when it comes to the Christian mission. You have that with churches too. Many churches right now are debating, can we keep our pastor beyond this year? Can we keep our staff beyond this year? Can we keep our building? Can we? Uh, what are we going to do with our building? Are we going to rent it out? Which is always a good idea. when you, A building is an expensive thing to maintain. And if you could rent it out... Uh, that would be very good. But, and you have the same question. Uh, who, who's the authority? Who's going to give us the, the right guidance? And the Christian shouldn't be asking that because our guidance comes from the Word of God when it comes to the church or for the mission or for our own personal life. And the same thing you find is so many people today, they're looking for. My friend attended a parent-teacher meeting. He said at the... At that place in Virginia, which he said was big news all over around the world, that teacher meeting. It was a riotous situation. And, uh, he, yes. And uh, he said, you know, the thing that one parent eventually ends says, whose opinion comes here? You know, because he heard so many crazy opinions. And then the, the chairman, apparently, of the, of the teacher's group got up and says, yes, it's good that we hear everything you say. But we, we will make the, the, the decision, which in fact they had made already. <laughs> so that's why the lady said, 
whose opinion counts. If we came here on the impression you want to hear our opinion before you make a decision, then whose opinion counts that you already made a decision? And in every area today, it's the same thing. People are looking for authority. The most glaring is this vaccination story. <laughs> you know, there's so many voices around the world. Some are even telling you before that you need a vaccine. Now they're telling you the vaccine is not enough. Some are telling you different situation. You have a whole set of Christians, for example, who are against even vaccination. And uh, listen to these discussions. You wonder, is there a final authority? The politicians don't have any answer. They are trying all sorts of situation because they don't have any final authority, final opinion, final verdict. And that final verdict can only come from one who is the truth, the all-knowing, the all-seeing, the all-powerful. And that's why I choose this passage today because here in this passage you have three opinions. A group opinion, an individual, a, a, a self-opinion, and a, the final authoritative opinion. The three opinions is a group of uh, religious leaders come to Jesus and say, hey, you know, this obviously they recognize Jesus had tremendous power. He is a man of miracles and might. Like Nicodemus, they realize he's from God. And these were the rulers of the synagogue that Jesus frequented the most when he was in Capernaum. He was always in that synagogue in Capernaum. Capernaum had become his new head office. And they came to Jesus and said, look, this Gentile deserves anything you could do for him and his sick servant. And um, so there you have this group of guys. They come up and they, and they were valid opinion, valid um, recommendation. He's a kind man. He's a reputable man. He's not only that, but he's not anti-Semitic, even though he's a Gentile officer. He loved our people. <laughs> He loved our people. And thirdly, his love for our people is one that even built us the synagogue that you are attending so often. And uh, obviously the Lord Jesus Christ, once you call him for help, he was on the move. <laughs> the Lord Jesus decided to go right away. And as he was going, then you come to this man with his own opinion. <laughs> they went and they said, this man is deserving. But he came and he says, hey, I'm not deserving. I'm not uh, of, of standard like you. I'm not in your class. Please, you don't need to come to my house under my roof. My house is not worthy. Nor am I worthy to come to you. Right? And uh, what, an, what, a, what an, a, 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 a confession a man is going to make. You know, so many times people go to the Lord and you never hear a confession like that. It's always, look at my life. I'm trying to please God. I've been brought up as a Christian or I'm a member of a religious organization, etc. But it's wonderful when people are willing to have that honest opinion and understanding of themselves, their honest confession. This man said, I'm not worthy. With all due respect to the religious leader, not that they were lying, but I'm not worthy. And then he said something wonderful. He said, Lord, you know, this amazing <laughs> A Roman Gentile to say to the Lord Jesus, an ordinary peasant so far as he was concerned. But God was opening this man's heart. I think he'd been preparing this man from the time he started to fall in love with the Jews. That's how sometimes God works, you know. 
Uh, we don't know how he did it, but God was working in this man. And this man was showing evidence that he was a, ch a choice vessel. The Lord had his hand on him. And he was waiting for the time when the shepherd's voice would penetrate his heart and bring him to the place of confession and repentance. And so this man came with a true uh, opinion of himself, verdict of himself, and what a verdict of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third opinion we have is the Lord Jesus' opinion of the man. So you have the, the elders came with their opinion of the man. He came with his own opinion of himself. And then the Lord Jesus Christ came with the final and factual opinion of this man. When he said, this man is a man of faith. This man has uh, recognized his condition. And he has acknowledged, made his confession. And he's acknowledged who is the emperor of his life. Who is the boss man of his life. Who is the full authority in his life. And um, it was wonderful. But it's good to see how this man came to that recognition. Because first of all, it's good to see how this man considered himself. And considered Jesus. He didn't see Jesus just as that uh, Galilean peasant or Galilean uh, religious worker. He didn't see Jesus just like he saw the, the temple elder, I mean the synagogue elder and ruler. He didn't see Jesus even as he saw the emperor. He saw Jesus as Lord. The one who has supreme authority over every person. The one who has supreme authority over every principle of governing this universe. The one who has authority over every power and might on this world. And he came to him and he made that confession. Lord, you're my Lord. You're the Jews' Lord. You're Caesar's Lord. And he come into that recognition. His word of God said that's a tremendous a position for any human being to come to when they recognize that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And they need to trust him and to be saved. They need to crown him and make that public confession. That's the other thing I like about this man. He not only came to that consideration and acknowledgement that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord, but he came to the place where he made the confession publicly. He made it publicly. He did it among his friends. And with a group of people who are coming to meet the Lord Jesus. And what he called him. Lord you are my Lord. And can you imagine that testimony to the crowd. Wow. I can imagine them going home to tell their family. You hear what that centurion. They call that ordinary Nazarene preacher. Lord. Emperor. King of kings. <laughs> wow. And the word of God did tell us. That if we confess him as Lord. And believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We'll be saved. For with the heart man does what? A person believes. Resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth a person confesses. Resulting in salvation. And Peter himself. That was his first message to the, to the Jews. He called them to recognize Christ as Lord. The one that is strung up on a tree. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 22 to 24. And then verse 36. He says the one you hung up on the tree. I said Acts 2. Yes. Acts 2 please. If you could find it. Please read it. 
Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man tested by God. To you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed his pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was not possible. Death power was not possible, was not possible to hold the Lord Jesus down and back and in the ground. And praise the Lord. And then verse 36, Peter really hit it home. Of that nice little sermon of his. Therefore let all the house of Israel know. Every Jew should know. Assuredly that God has made this Jesus. Whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. That's the message to Israel. That is the message to every Gentile. That is the message to everyone. And it's praise the Lord. When we in this age of grace. Can make that. Uh, that uh, we can come to that place of acknowledgement and able to publicly make that confession. So wonderful. For God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Why? That every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's God's goal in life, that every knee. That's the power of the Lord. There's coming a day when it will be by, by force. But today the Holy Spirit is causing it to happen by persuasion. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some people around the world, in every tribe, in every race, in every class. And he's encouraging them to come to Jesus Christ. And that's a duty of us. We know the final, the final opinion in, in a man's decision to seek after heaven. Man have various avenues and ways to get to heaven. But we know the answer. The Lord Jesus left us with no doubt. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. There is salvation in none other, says the Apostle Peter. None other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Whereby we must be saved. We thank God for this wonderful uh, uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit. You and I, as we examine our lives, uh, some of us, we were early convicted in our life to, that he's our Savior. And then sometime later on, God has uh, dealt with us. And then we came and realized, hey, he's not just my Savior. He's my boss man. Amen. As a woman, he's my true husband. As a man, he's my true champion. My real father. As a kid. That's mine. That's my Jesus. It's wonderful to come to know him as Lord. I remember Friday, uh, there was this boy and his sister walking home after Bible club. I was by my car, going in the car, and they passed me. And I said, hi, uh, how you find the club? And the guy says, um, okay. And then his sister says, oh, I, I, I would like to take this Jesus in my heart. I said, you did? Did you tell the teacher? No, my brother said, we have to go home. So I said, well, let's talk about it here. And I uh, shared with them. And the brother says, uh, as we came to the place for praise, he says, well, how, how, how do I make Jesus Lord of my life? 
my father's already boss man or <laughs> rule of my life. My mother, how do I? I said, well, Jesus is different than your mother and father. They have a responsibility here as your parents to have a say in your life to your dying day. But Jesus Christ is Lord because he is the Lord of your future, where you will spend eternity, whether you go to hell or heaven. And the Bible says you need to make him Lord of your life, to say to him, Lord, I make you higher than my father and mother in my life. I trust you as God. And, uh, you know, he said, wow, you mean I could have Jesus as my Lord? I says, that's what the Bible says. And I went through some of those verses with him. I said, that's why Christ died. Because Jesus says, we are of the father, the devil. Right now, he's running our lives. When Jesus is not running our lives, the devil is running our lives. And in order for Jesus to be run your life, you need to repent of your sins. Thank him for dying for you. And then pray, Lord, save me and be my Lord. Rule my life. And it was wonderful to see that boy and his sister. They were on the edge, almost at home. They left that Bible club. They were under conviction, but they were going home. I was just, somebody got in the middle there and be able to present to them the Lord Jesus. Hey, I, I realize God been preparing those two children. Maybe from last year when they said they first started to come to this club. I don't know, but no kid will suddenly, no person suddenly come to that. God been doing a work in their heart. But it's great when God is able to help a person to come to that place where God wants a man to acknowledge his son and confess his son as Lord. And not only that, the Lord Jesus Christ was amazed not at this man's own acknowledgement and at his confession. It was public and, and real. But he was amazed at this man's confidence in him. This man is saying, you just say your word, Lord. There's no doubt. I don't have to worry after this. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's confidence. That's confidence. That's confidence. Last Tuesday, a man came to me. He's a medical worker at Lankano Hospital. Mr. Wally, call the security. I lost my sheep. It was at a Muslim function where they were going and they buy their sheep and they slaughter it. It's a Christian businessman. Uh, 2,000 of the people and their family came up to that big farm that day. And I said, hey, nobody going to steal your sheep. None of these Muslim people are thieves here, <laughs> not the Christians. He said, maybe the Christians are not, but I don't trust Muslim, and he's a Muslim. <laughs> Anyhow, I said, let's pray. So I, I got into my friend walkie-talkie, and I called the security and says, Please, I have a vendor here claiming, a customer claiming that he lost one of his three sheep that he just bought. So I said, why don't we let's pray? He said, I, he in a praying mood. I said, well, can I pray for you and your sheep? He said, go ahead. So I prayed. I prayed, Lord, help them to find his sheep even now so that you could show him. That you want to save him and find him and take him to heaven for yourself. And I said, sure. Hold on, I'm sure they're going to find your sheep. 
go and do what you have to do. <laughs> Ten minutes later, the security called my friend. Hey, we have the, where's this gentleman? We have his sheep right here, safe and sound. The sheep was grazing in some other part of the farm or grass. And uh, so he, ten, I didn't see him, but 10 minutes later, he came up to me. He said, Mr. Wally, how you learn to trust God like that? I said, well, you got to know him first. For the Bible says, you must know him, the one and true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And you will have eternal life. Got to share the gospel with him. His name is Abu. Call him in the corner there. And you know he was halfway in between like decision. And when he came to the point of prayer. I said would you like to pray for me. And, he said, and I, I'm praying that you be saved. And I'm believing God to save you. But before you, I do. Are you willing to confess that Jesus is your savior. You are the lost sheep that Jesus came for to die for. Are you willing to say that he's the Lord of your life? He says, man, I should have made this man the Lord of my life a long time ago. He's a medical person, a professional. He trusted the Lord and he was to go home, but he stayed back because he was waiting until I get a break. So I had to keep sharing more things about Jesus to him in the Bible. Every day he's been calling me. Every day he's got a question on John's gospel. But the beautiful thing is that he's learning more about the Lord Jesus. I said, Abu, your life will be so radically changed that you'll be amazed. Keep making Christ the Lord of your family, of your job, and of all the decisions you have during the day. That's where we prove the Lordship of Christ. We bring him as the main decision maker, the main shepherd and guide of our daily lives. It's great when a person makes Christ as his Lord and Savior. I'll never forget the day I did that commitment. I wasn't to go to the church that day. It was a big conference. And my choir was singing. But I was, I'd promised my grandmother. I used to go and visit her once every three months. She was a, the darling of my life. And, and after I became a Christian, she really was close to me. And... Uh, I said I'm going to, because she sent and said that this is the day she wants me to come. It was a holiday and she preparing, etc. But one of my Christian buddy, he was passing by and he said, Wally, you got to help me sing this morning. Because two of the bass guys can't make it. I said, man, I wasn't planning to be there. And he says, brother, you better get there for my sake. I'm <laughs> yeah, my buddy and friend. And I thought, well, I'll go to the church. We'll sing. After the service, I'll take my transport and go and visit my grandmother our way. But the preacher was a young brother, young Chinese brother, passing through the country. And praise the Lord. He preached the right message. Broke my heart down. And it was after my conversion, I think that day, that day when I surrendered everything to Jesus it was the greatest day in my life because his life has never been the same. Crown him, Lord. And so here we have this man acknowledging the Lord as his Lord, confessing him before the crowd and publicly. And then the Lord Jesus, only he could know that, commended the man for the confidence he has in Jesus. For that uh, trust he put in Christ.
that it amazed the Lord. And faith, trusting in the Lord, always amazing. I think that's why the apostles themselves at one time who asked the Lord to teach them to pray, sometime later asked the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> increase our faith. And that's one of the cry of a believer. Lord, increase my trust and dependence upon you. You know, some things I pray for, pray with people and pray for, and you, you don't pray, like you don't feel like you pray strong enough and you don't have that confidence. And next thing you see, the person come and say, thank you for that prayer or so-and-so. I have this case with my own sister. She is a retired doctor in Wales. And she called me one day and she says, Wally, I'm sorry I didn't let you know, but I have a grandson, Zach. He just born two days ago. I said, oh, praise the Lord. But I want you to pray. He's in the hospital. He's strung up. Both she and her husband are retired professionals. In fact, her husband is part of the uh, pandemic team that advises the prime minister. So I said, why don't you let us pray right now? This was about uh, 12 in her country, Wales. It was just about 8 or 9 my country, my time. She says, okay. I said, yes, let's pray right now. I will pray, you will pray, I will pray, you will pray. And we prayed for about 20, 25 minutes and let her go. And there I was three, four days later. Oh, wonder happened with this child. And I didn't see this email in my phone that came two days ago. That's two days after we prayed. And she said that the kid is out of the hospital at home and everybody is mesmerized. You know, thanks Wally for your prayer, you know, but I, it shook me up because we spent this time praying. But I, I, I didn't feel that full count. I thought this child might have to be there for a week, go through all that IV and antibiotic they will have to, which normally happens and possibility that he'll fight it through, etc. But praise God, his grandmother told me that he, he's out of the hospital the day after we prayed. And sometimes that happens, we pray. But there are other times you pray and you have that confidence in the Lord. It's a marvelous experience to just have that confidence that he will do it. That he will do it. One of my neighbor, so-and-so happened to him. And uh, they were ganging up on him. And I said, well, I'm coming over to your house. And myself and him and his wife, we got on our knees for half an hour. And we prayed. I was leaving. I tell him, hey, brother. I'm not just to make a hype. But I want to encourage you. I firmly believe that the Lord has sounded your problems. He didn't answer because he can't believe that. <laughs> you know, and the man is in the midst of a deep mess right now. That, at that time. Next day I wasn't home. He wasn't home at work. And he text was coming. That's the day I lost my phone and this ministry I was on. I didn't have phone. I didn't miss phone. And uh, he been texting me, Brother Wally, problem solved. The people own up. And they have signed something to the lawyer denying that that took place. They were trying to claim that my friend, a Korean Christian brother, 
had robbed them and had stolen some of their properties, I mean the construction materials. I call it brass pipe and what have you. Only to find out was the lady's stepson was the culprit. Because it had to be an inside person that did it and so they thought it was the builder. And they had called in the police and what have you, etc. But that night there I just felt in myself and I said, Lord, we're going to pray believing you. Confound the wicked ones. Confound the devils. And turn this, turn your hand of judgment upon my brother's enemies and accusers. We prayed strong. So sometimes, you know, you believe God. You have that confidence in him. And that's what happened to this ruler this day. He had that strong confidence that Jesus Christ will not only heal the son, but that Jesus Christ will be Lord of his life. That Jesus Christ will be the person to run his, his decide his future and his destiny. And the opinion of Jesus is what counts. The crowd says he deserves it. He himself said, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't get it. But the Lord Jesus' opinion was, you got it, buddy. You got it. You're trusting in me, won it. You're trusting in me, save the day. The trusting in me, turn it around. Jesus' opinion, Jesus' decision, Jesus' verdict, Jesus' answer matters the most, conks the most. And we as Christians, in our own personal lives, as church, so many decisions churches are making today. And they're not making it according to the Lord's decision, going back to the same COVID situation, where these people were discussing. And this CRT, or critical race theory, and the lady rightly said, but whose opinion count? The pastor should have been able to answer right away. The Lord Jesus is the final opinion, the final decision. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and we're going by his truth. And he didn't. He missed a great opportunity to even maybe communicate that to the television audience. A woman asks a, a real lead-up nice question for a minister. To magnify the Lord Jesus Christ with in his answer. And I praise God that the Lord used this man's situation. This ruler's desperate situation. There was tragedy in his home. There was, his heart was breaking. Because apparently, and that happened with some of us, you know. Somebody who live with us, serve us, etc. You have a strong bond with them. And this is what happened. Maybe he treated him like his son. Maybe he treated him like a confidant, etc. But there was a strong bond between this ruler and his dying servant. And here the Lord Jesus came and solved the problem. No wonder that man, I believe, went home rejoicing and praising God. More so, we see his confidence in Jesus. Lord, say your word. I believe in word power. I'm a man live my life by word power. I live by the emperor's word and my soldiers, they live by my word. But I believe you have the power over life and death. I believe you have the power over hell and heaven. Say the word. And the Lord, he went home and found his 
servant, maybe having a cup of hot tea or something, well revived and up and about. And my message today is in our own lives, in all the challenges we face. Only this morning, I called home at a Muslim family that asked me to call them in Virginia. They came all the way down here on Tuesday to buy their lamb and their goats and to spend the day with their fellow Muslim. And I get to know the husband again. He had a problem. He came late. And um, on the online, he had registered to get his animal uh, early. And uh, time passed. The people sold the animal, etc. Because there's no uh, guarantee that because you made an appointment online, you will have animals if you come. If they sold out all the animals, you get nothing. And he was red and mad and apparently he couldn't get to nobody because the crowd was so much. And he noticed, he said, man, people told me you're a helpful man. I said, sir, I'm the weakest person here. I'm just a volunteer trying to maintain crowd and to get to meet my Muslim friends and tell them about Esau. He said, oh, that's wonderful. But I have a problem. I don't, no, not, I said, yes, Esau could solve it. You just tell me the problem. So and so, so and so, I just come from Virginia. These are my five sons. This is my wife, etc., etc. Anyhow, the Lord worked wonderful on his behalf that day. He became good friend. Want me to come? Come down right to Virginia. Let's continue to say, eat is this whole month, week. You have to come down, Mr. Wally. You know, he's one of them strong type of, uh, like Brother Wally, a very demanding <laughs> type of man. Anyhow, I promise I'll call him and chat with him. And when the right time come, I'll come up. So this morning I called and his wife answered the phone. And uh, she said, sir, could you pray for me? I'm going through a very stressful time. Then I found out that she's, she lived near to this place called the Luden, Luden County in Virginia. Loudon. Uh, in fact, one of my good Christian friends lived there. So, well, I linked them up with him. Anyhow, I didn't realize that they were in the same county. And this was the problem. She's because she has two kids have to go to school, and she said she don't like what she hearing from other parents. And if I know much, I said, sister, I don't know much, but don't matter if I know much. All I'd encourage you, keep pray to to Jesus to make a way for your children, either to keep them out from the school or to put them in the right school. And I, I will pray with you. And I'm sure the Lord will answer you. And after we prayed, and she said, you sure? I said, we are praying to God. You're not praying to me. I'm not praying to your husband. As men, nothing is sure. But with God, it's sure. Because with God, all things are possible. But the idea is that you're trying to build up their, her faith. Hoping that, you know, through seeing Jesus at work, she will want to trust him as her savior. And that's how I work with some of these people. And that day I got a contact from about 45 families in Virginia, Washington, New York, Connecticut, Ohio, oh, all over the place. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, you got a foothold into them. It's an opportunity to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's like how we use that opportunity. This man lost his sheep to point him that Jesus could not only help find his sheep, but Esau could take him as a lost sheep from God and heaven to heaven. 
And that opened the way for me to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is with, with the unsaved. Sometimes it's a great opportunity to pray with them. But greater yet to encourage them to have that confidence in God. Have that confidence in God. We're not forcing God's hand. But sometimes God in his mercy realized we're praying for a man who far away from God. And this is an opportunity of God to show him with evidence that I care for you. I want you to bring your cares to me. And I want you to bring your greatest problem of a lost life to me. I could change it. I could save you. And that's what the Lord was doing here through this miracle. And the miracles he was performing around Capernaum was drawing people's lives to him and their attention to him. So that he could then, now after the miracle was the message, he could impart the message to them. And But in Jesus' case, he was always given the message first before he did the miracle. You notice that about his life and ministry? He was always preaching first, then he will do miracles. And no doubt he was preaching a lot in Capernaum. Who knows? Maybe this, uh, this, prison, this guard who's watching over the, the territory and security must have heard about Jesus, must have heard from many people about Jesus. There was a nobleman right in Capernaum whose son Jesus Christ healed without you know, going to his home. <laughs> well, he must have heard. But praise the Lord. The Lord that day won that man's heart and answered his prayer. And that man's confidence, I believe, will never be the same. It's important that we keep pointing men in our own lives by our own life and the way we live. But to keep pointing that Jesus Christ is Lord. The situation in America is not out of his control. He's not sleeping. The situation in our lives is not out of control. He's not aloof and divorced from our situation. He has the final choice. He has the final opinion. He has the final say because he's Lord. And that's what conks. May the Lord encourage us today. It's my simple message to you. It's, uh, as I said, fresh from my heart. I wanted to preach on this passage, but I said, hey, one of the most important things here is what happened to this man. He came to that point of acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ with all the opinions around about him. It didn't prevent him from coming to that point. The true point is not by my reputation, it's not by my works, it's not by my profession, it's not by my position, but simply having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, amazing. it's also the, the method of our evangelism. How many people we meet. Uh, I was out with a friend the other day witnessing, and there was this person I was trying to witness to, and he called me and said, Brother Wally, he's a very religious person. As much as say, don't waste time with him. You know, everything is okay. I said, brother, maybe he's religious, but lost. Let's find out. So <laughs> I engage a person. And a person tell me, yes, and your friend know I'm a Christian from birth. I said, oh, wonderful. When did you born got born again in Jesus? Oh, I told you from birth. So I said, if Jesus, God was to ask you. And his name began with L. Mr. L. Why should I let you into my holy crib? 
And he smiled. I said, no, that's a serious question. He said, yeah, that's a serious question. He tell me that. I said, well, I'm going to spend some time with you to help you answer that serious question. I'm your friend. I'll spend time. And he's wrangling around here and there and then eventually. Well, he, he, he knows I was born in a Christian home. He know my parents tried their best. They taught me everything. He know I got baptized when I was 14, 15. Even though I haven't been to church since. <laughs> what have you. And um, I'm sure in his mercy. He will let me into heaven. Because he knows. And I said but do you know God wants you to know. For the whole Bible was written so that you may know. That you're going to heaven. And you have eternal life. So if you don't know. You're in trouble. You need to know. And so I got to present the gospel. Do you know the Bible says heaven is a free gift to you which you don't deserve nor can you earn even if you're born in a Christian home and got baptized several times before you, you die? Oh, yeah, it's a gift, but I have to, uh, God can't give away heaven like this. I have to contribute something. I say you don't have to contribute a, a, a rusty penny. You don't have to contribute nothing. Then it's not a gift. And you got to show the reason why you don't have that gift. Because you're born in sin. You're a sinner by nature. You're a sinner by practice. And sin has been imparted to your bank account. God has already got sin on your account. And the judgment of sin. So we have a problem. God loves you, Mr. L. But he's got to. He's got to. Uh, his, his, his firewall got to zap our sin and judge us. And that's how God resolved the problem. There's only one person could have resolved this problem. Where God loved you in his mercy and because he's God of love. But he's a holy God and a just God and has to judge our sin because he has decreed it. He's not going to back out of that. And he can only forgive your sin because somebody paid for it already and satisfy God. That's why God sent the only person who can pay for your sin and fully satisfy God and you. And you know who it is? And he says, yes, I know it's Jesus. I said, well, what do you know about Jesus? Uh, you know Jesus died on the cross. Oh, praise the Lord. And then I was able to show him from John who's Jesus. God's speech. God, God uh, uh, is trying to talk to you in, the, in your sin through Jesus. And so he sent Jesus to you. But Jesus is also the one who came to save you and die for you. Who, who's Jesus? What has he done for you? He did this for you. He died for you. He paid the price and penalty for your judgment. More than that, he has procured that crib for you in heaven. He has procured for it. He already made closure in it. It's yours. He wants you to receive it as gift by faith. And so we got to present the gospel to Mr. L. My friend afterwards said, man, Brother Wally, I'm sorry, but this guy, you know, I can't imagine how he not a, a Christian, not going to heaven. He said, brother, sometimes if you meet the Pope, you need to give him the gospel and ask him that question. 
you might be shocked to know that he doesn't know the answer. How many religious people we meet on the roads and your own life? And they themselves get shocked afterwards, 15, 20. Wow, I thought I was going to have... Thank you, brother, that you spoke with me. Thank you. This happened this week with a, a, a woman. Uh, last, not this Saturday, what, Sunday? Two Saturdays ago, this is 17th of this month. I went down to an orientation for this program for, to minister to these Muslims. All Christians were there. And next to me was a young lady. And she offered me a seat. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to offer you a seat. But she sat by me because she, she thought I was new. I don't know things here. And during the break, I asked her, I said, well, what's your position here? Are you going to volunteer to help? Yeah, I'm an evangelist. Oh, I said, praise the Lord. Meet a female evangelist. A long time I haven't met a beauty. So, so then I said, when did you become a Christian? Oh, I was born a Christian. Etc. <laughs> so I got to witness to her. The same question I asked. But then I took her aside because I realized this could be embarrassing because some of our friends are around there. And here is the evangelist doesn't have an answer. Why God should allow you to have her? Except for my good works, etc. She received the Lord Jesus Christ. She is a part-time trucker. But her trucking business, we need to take tour groups up to New York, tour groups to Washington, etc. And I said, well, you now have the great opportunity. But, man, when she came there to volunteer at that place, she has ministered to almost every Muslim young woman she could put her hand on in that place. You know, but you never could tell. Maybe she had known the Lord Jesus, who could tell, but backslidden or that that truth has dropped out. Because <laughs> maybe she, it was, she wasn't growing in the Lord, she wasn't in a good Bible church or something like that. You never could tell. I think of it maybe sometimes it's just a sharing of assurance. But in fact, it was much more than that. This woman was so happy after she trusted Christ. As a result, she push forget about trucking for the week she gave all to that ministry and she's on, on, the, on go for the Lord and that happens with so many people but if we don't go out and meet them how would we reach them that's why one of the best ministries reaching Christians for Christ right in our church one of the things I catch people I catch a lot of fish like that listening to a preacher and a sermon and then afterwards look around greeting people as a leaving what do you think about that message? Have you received the Lord yet as your Savior? This is no joke. <laughs> you know you know the girl, her son is doctor at Crossroads, a tall African girl. Her son was 16 years old, running around our church at Crossroads. One morning after the service, braced him in a corner, after chat with him, he trusts the Lord. You know, to last, not this Sunday, last Sunday I met his mother after a year at the church. And she said, Brother Wally, he's growing in the Lord. He's a blessing to me, to her. You know? I was so happy because she has been through some rough time as a woman with her husband, etc. But he's been growing in the Lord. He's third year in second year in college. But I'll never forget that morning. You know, witnessing to that young guy. Pull him into the little constant room there and share the word with him. But that's how, you know, so many times we reach believers in the church. Because we have to, we have to be on the lookout. 
So a message to each of us, continue to make Christ the Lord of our lives, our ministry. Let our ministry be guided by his teaching and his instructions. And in that way, I think we become more effective communicators and preachers of the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ. And thank God for this story here. Three opinions on one man. He's deserving. The man said, I'm not deserving. I'm not worthy. I'm not in your class. You know, the word is used for, I'm, uh, he's deserving by the, by the elders. And when he used the word, I'm undeserving, it's two different Greek words. <laughs> One means he deserves. When they said he's worthy. But when he said he was not worthy, is that I am not in your class. I am not sufficient. I'm not there. <laughs> and, uh, but then the Lord clarified it all. Yes, brother, you mightn't be there. But grace brought you in. The Holy Spirit brought you. You've marveled me. You've excited me today. Which you, I mean, uh, Centurion. I have not found this in the whole of the chosen people. Here is a Gentile that blessed the Lord that day. Thrilled the Lord that day. Maybe made him feel, oh, it was worth coming and relocate my ministry in Capernaum. No doubt it might have been the thing that stirred the Lord Jesus up in a greater way to reach the people of Capernaum and minister to them and minister to all Israel. Because God was calling out the few out of that great vast number of people, bringing them to their Messiah. Whose opinion counts? Whose work counts? Only the Lord Jesus. And let's keep reaching out to souls. Let's keep reaching out to our family and our friends. But they need him. They're giddy out there. Sin has them giddy. The confusion around there has people giddy. But it's Lord Jesus Christ can change lives. And he is changing lives. For his honor and glory. And you know, I'm sorry to take up much of your time, but last Tuesday, there was a group of African Muslims, all dressed in their lovely African outfit. They'd see themselves as a clan. This man is the head of the clan. He had 50 of them there. Through SUVs and what have you. And uh, how I get to me, me, know what was happening, because I in a different park to park and they don't want to mix so I was sending him to a, a guy to get his problem solved oh he ordered 50 sheep and goats and he only got 40 delivered well they, were, they didn't finish delivering but apparently the communication wasn't clear to him and he was very upset so I said why don't you go and speak to so and so I don't know much here but I see this guy helping other. oh no no he's a Palestinian I don't deal with Palestinian Muslims. I said, oh, he's a Muslim? That's why I asked him. I said, he's a Muslim? Aren't you a Muslim? Brother, you don't know. There are some of our worst enemies. The Palestinians. All they want to do is kill people like you and Jews. That's what he's telling me. I said, no, no, I don't think Mr. Samir like that. But you know, sir, 
maybe God going to use him today to help you. <laughs> Anyhow, I get to make friends with this guy. An hour later, I had my break. I ran down to his camp, find out how things are going, get to chat with him. And then he says, you're not Muslim. I said, no. I'm only for Isa. <laughs> He said, oh, that's why you're so different, etc. <laughs> I got the opportunity to share with him. He began to tell me he's the head of this clan. And uh, we have our own culture. We, in fact, we, we sl slaughter the animal in a different way and things like that. And we believe in having one sheep for each member of the family. I said, where you get that from? He told me that's in the Bible. I play, you know, <laughs> Exodus, you know, <laughs> one lamb for each person. Right, things like that. But we get to chat, and then I, what this feast means to you? What he said, this is the feast when Abraham, out of kindness and show that you know he is a true believer, offer up Ishmael. Well, you know the Ishmael to God. I said yes. What else? I said, but did you remember that uh, Ishmael got a substitute? So Abraham they had to offer him. He said, I heard about that. Where is that? I said, right in the Bible. I got my friend's phone. And I opened the phone to him. And I show him there in Exodus. I mean, Genesis. He said, I didn't know that. I said, well, that's what Esau is. Esau is the Lamb of God who is a substitute for you and me. And um, he was busy. The afternoon, I get to talk with him again. And got him. I said, wouldn't you like to know Isa as your own Lord? Not just as a prophet. He said, yeah, man, if you, if you recommend that. <laughs> as he told me. If you I said, no, you have to personally believe in his heart. And he said, brother, look. This is my phone number. This is my son's phone number. My wife's phone number. You have to come by us. I said, but why don't you pray for receive Isa in your life right now? No, man, I can't do that. <laughs> he told me, I can't do that without them watching me here. <laughs> you know, confusion. <laughs> so he asked me to come home. But before he goes, I said, but nothing wrong if I pray for you in front of them. So I, I pray quietly with him, hold his hands. And that man's hand was shivering. I said, Lord, help Mr. And his, his name was K. Help Mr. K, a Muslim name. To repent of all his sins against you. Of rejecting and keeping the Lord Jesus out of his life all these years. And save him from going to the fire. Help him today to re receive you and trust you as your savior. So I got to pray with him. And then I, I said to him. You pray this prayer every night. Until you receive Isa. Lord. I believe Isa is my Savior and Lord. Come into my life and change my life. So that's why he called me yesterday. When you come in, when you come in. I said, God, it be urgent. No, I said, because I feel to in my heart, it be urgent. Because to get the man to pray with you, the head of his clan like that ruler in front, his people are just about 60, 50 feet away, but they're all watching, you know, because the eyes don't come off of him. In fact, when he had a prayer in the big pavilion, they were waiting for him to come in the pavilion for us. They all lined up out there. Things like that. But the message of Jesus Christ is Lord. Most Muslims don't hear that. Because Islam has blinded them. Has, has demoted our Lord Jesus. Have him just as a prophet and a slave of Allah. 
But when they hear about Esau, they substitute lamb. The one whose main purpose is coming to save us, to deliver us from the blaze. Because most Muslims are taught that no matter how good they live, they still have to walk over the blaze. They still have to walk over the barbecue pit. And even if they walked over, they still don't know if they're going to make it to paradise. That depends on the insha'Allah, as you will tell you, the will of Allah. In fact, as one Muslim theologian said a couple of years ago, you never know if you're going to go in paradise, even if you get in the coffin. You never know. What a serious thing for any human being. So believe in a God who can't give you the assurance where he's going to take. And furthermore, he don't give you heaven. It, it, m- m- Muslims aren't, don't have a heaven. They have a paradise. You know why? Because in their paradise, God is not going to be there. God don't mix with them. God don't mix with the best of Muslims. As we give them paradise, let them enjoy what they were deprived of on this earth. Their, their, their women, their wine, their what have you. Because he's not with them. That's another area sometimes you have to bring up with Muslims. Because what heaven? And heavenly father? Oh no. Lordship of Jesus Christ. They can't hold on to that. Because they've been brainwashed. But when the word of God is open to them and convict them. There's always that great possibility. To lead to their conversion. And the change from their life. That's how... Any, most Muslims I know got saved. The young man I led to the Lord at that feast, he's 26 year old. I'll take up your time, but I think it's very encouraging to all of us. He came running to me because I was in the main road. And the pavilions are up there, high up where they go and pray. Mister, Mister, can you help me? I supposed to be in that group prayer, and my parents asked me to bring up some requests there for prayer. But I can't go because the, the place is closed and the numbers of people are, is, reach their limit in there. But I have to go because I have to return in another hour to New Jersey. So I said, brother, I'm a follower of Isa. And I only know of 24 hours, 7 days a week, free prayer. <laughs> I don't know how you have to make, go by prayer by reservations. And I don't know how to pull strings to get you to pray. <laughs> so I got to share with him. He's a 26-year-old graduate of Rowan University. He's a young entrepreneur, Muslim entrepreneur. And I share the word of God with him. Braille seeker. Yeah, it's good to see a 26-year-old American Muslim kid seeking the truth. And people passing up and down, you along with me to share the gospel. He never gets up in the prayer meeting. So I said, I'm sorry. He said, no, man, I got into heaven. I was shocked. I said, you sure? So if God was to ask you, why should I take you into heaven? Oh, because I received Esau as my savior today. Wow. I said, brother, go your way. You don't need prayers. You go on. And I pray with him. You know, but man, it was excitement. It changed my whole attitude to the morning. I was there from five in the morning. Dealing only with crowds and unruly people. I don't know a thing about the business that was going on. I don't know who they have to go and buy anything for. And I wasn't there for that. I was there. My friend asked me just to manage things at the parking because he expects a lot of confusion. And he wanted a mature person to do a lot of customer service. <laughs> Which, that's what had happened. That's why I make friends with almost everybody. Because they had to pass me to park. 
and I will go out of my way sometimes. You know where you're going? So, so and then, you know, hi, welcome, etc. You know, but praise the Lord, the opportunity. Yes, five to nine, nothing happening. I just dust every vehicle pass, it's dust in your face, and I don't know what's going on. So I was a little discouraged. So when he came to me, and I, I felt, who am I, man? Who do you think I am? I got to break the people for me to get him in. You know, but no, here was a seeking soul. I sense that he's a seeker. And strange to see a 26-year-old so eager to get into his prayer meeting. And you know the prayer meeting don't have any substance in it. But he trusts the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the beautiful thing, this is what I brought up the story, is that the next day I was able to get an Israeli Arab Christian brother in Jersey to follow him up. Isn't that wonderful? An Israeli Arab Christian brother. And there are a few in this country. Praise God. Well, there are Christians are all over the world there. Some Arab sheep are here. Sheep is here. You know? That yeah, that makes hey, this man I was ignoring him at one time. And I was saying, Man, you're a little difficult, young man. You can't get into prayer. Wait for you know. And I said, No, no. This guy is a seeker. Tell him what he says. I didn't really, he didn't wasn't hostile at first. You know. But then I said, how do you expect to get you can't go in there unless somebody take you? How do you expect to get into Allah's heaven? You know, and but that opened me. But, but the Lord Jesus Christ and our heaven. Lordship. And the thing, especially with the unbeliever, when you lead them to the Lord, it's good to emphasize the Lordship of Christ. Jesus is not only saving you for when you die, He wants to run your life from now. He wants to be boss man, call the shots. Let Him. Bring your, your fears and decision to him. Thank you. And that's happened to us too. We, uh, as Christians, we are very fearful of many things in, in our community. Like um, these mothers and parents I'm telling you about. Uh, school. It's a joy for a parent to be sending their kid to school. The young kid. It's a, 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 you, a parents know that. But here are parents having trepidation. Fear, some of them blown out of proportion. And well, what an opportunity for us to. You're not hopeless. You're not helpless. I'm going to pray with you. We are praying as Christians about this matter. We want God to get the glory. Maybe God is creating this situation to work on hearts of parents like this, to get their attention. That's like how they are scared about their children's education. God is very perturbed. And hurting of your continuous rejection and neglect of his salvation. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.